So if you've been a part of our service for the last like month and, month and a bit, you'll know that we are in week five of a series called Deliver Us, which is all about life in the victory of Jesus. And I'm really excited that the kids are here today because even though we've been learning about something pretty heavy like spiritual warfare, I think that we've been learning that it doesn't have to be a weird or taboo subject. We've, we've just been literally learning about part of the Lord's Prayer where Jesus teaches us to pray, deliver us or deliver us from the evil one. And our theme verse is from 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, where it says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And that's the reason why Jesus came. He came to disrupt that, to stop that, to, to end the devil's work. Because it says in, first, or sorry, in John chapter 10, it says, the thief comes, and he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his job description. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so that's what Jesus does. Even though the enemy is here to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus has come that we may have life and have it to the full. And that's amazing. And so today we're going to be talking about the armor of God. Author and pastor John Mark Homer says that this section in Ephesians chapter 6, talking about the armor of God, is likely the most intense scripture we have in the entire Bible dealing with spiritual warfare. With kids here today, we're going to have some fun and we're going to invite some of them up on stage for part of it. Uh, But it's also important to know that this was not originally written as a kid-friendly verse. Soldiers were instruments of war, violence, death, and conquest. Armor symbolized their strength, their violence, their power, and an imagery of armor would have struck fear into the lives of those nations who were uh, under the occupation of Rome. So when Paul says to put on spiritual armor, it's supposed to be more than a kid's coloring page. It's intended to invoke these imagery of war and struggle and conquest and ultimate victory that Christ has over our enemy. The way Paul writes this text is kind of the way a general would speak when talking to his army before a battle. But the strength that Paul is referring to isn't from military strength. I love how uh, Richard Erickson puts it. He says, as members of the new family of God, believers are to find their strength and leadership for this warfare in the Lord Jesus Christ. By implication, they are not to look for it in themselves or in their own spirituality, That's a tough one for me. Or in their maturity, or in their education, or in their influence, or position, prestige, money, programs, personal rights, or even in other people. Their strength is to be found solely in Christ. It is futile to fight a spiritual battle all on your own. Spiritual strength to fight the enemy comes only from the Lord himself. The spiritual warrior puts on the armor that is supplied by God and is then able to find victory over the enemy of our souls. So today, as we read the word, let's remember that this passage is about something serious. It is about something powerful. We're going to read it bit by bit, and I'm just going to read a little bit and then talk about it and read a little bit and talk about it, and that's going to be kind of our our template for today. So we're going to pick it up in Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. And it says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Okay, we're just going to stop there for a second. This is actually really important because like I said earlier, this isn't about our strength. It isn't about my spirituality or, or how devoted I am to the Lord. This is about me finding my strength in God's mighty power. And you guys, this is intended to be so freeing for us. 
It's intended to be so freeing because in my feeble and weak attempts at spiritual warfare and in my weak attempts at following God where I feel like I, I'm often failing or, or giving into temptation or missing the mark, it is so freeing to know that I can rely on God's strength and his mighty power. So how do we do this? How do we rely on his power? It says in verse 11, it says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. This is God's armor that he puts on you to make you ready for spiritual battle because spiritual battle needs spiritual armor and spiritual weapons. It's not about trying harder or being more disciplined. Spiritual warfare isn't about being perfect or about uh, anything else. It's that a spiritual battle needs a spiritual game plan. And it's hard to wrap our heads around because I don't know about you, but I get so focused on the world that I can kind of see and sense and smell and touch and, and observe. But the Bible is clear that Jesus' worldview included a spiritual realm that is both parallel to but also overlapped with the physical world in which we often think we live. And so the physical and the spiritual are connected. In fact, it says in, verse, uh, in the next verse, it says in verse 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, sometimes I think our increased knowledge of the physical world, because we know so much about the physical world, we forget about a spiritual world. We make everything about what we can see and sense, and we forget that there's a spiritual realm that's going on. And we, we've been learning the last several weeks that our enemy is a liar, that he wants to tempt you, that he wants to deceive you, and then he wants to speak words of condemnation and accusation against you. So Paul is asking us to just simply be aware of the spiritual realm. And he says in verse 13, he says, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Okay, we're going to read this word stand several times in our text today. It's actually used four times, and he wants us to see that the enemy is trying to make us fall. The enemy is trying to make us not stand, trying to trip us up, to take us off the path that the Lord has for us. And so since physical weapons and physical armor are useless, Paul says to take up the full spiritual armor of God. Okay, we're actually going to get to the armor of God now, okay? And so we're going to start inviting kids up to show us and model for us the armor of God. The first is the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So who's coming up to show us the belt of truth? Oh, sorry, we have a bingo. Sorry, I missed that. I thought someone was yelling, but who's got the bingo? Who's that? James? And someone else had it? Who else has it? Is that Ezra? Are pastor's kids allowed to win? All right, Ezra, come on down. And James, come on down. And James, are you going to come up with that belt of truth for me? No. Okay. Do we have someone that's going to wear the belt of truth that can show us? Let's give it up. Merrick. Okay, Marie's going to help you with the belt. Now, this is the belt of truth. 
because the enemy attacks with lies. And does anyone remember what Matthew's sermon was on last week? It was on lies and truth. We had a whole sermon on truth and lies. And, and my favorite part of Matthew's sermon last week was when he had us read from Scripture. Do you remember that? We read from Scripture, and we read truth over our lies. You're doing a great job. Can you show us that belt? Like, just wiggle your hips a little bit? Yes. All right. Thank you so much for showing us the belt of truth. You can go down now. Thank you so much. Let's give it up. Yes. So last week, Matthew ended his sermon all about truth and lies with us reading these powerful, truthful scripture verses that he put on the screen. Do you guys remember we all read them out loud together? We posted those on our NLCC Aldergrove Facebook group. In case you don't know, we have an NLCC Aldergrove Facebook group. You should go join it. Don't forget to answer yes to the two questions you have to say yes to when you join. And I, I would encourage you to go back and read those verses again and again. Because the foundation of everything is truth. In this series on spiritual warfare, this is the thing that has stood out to me the most. If you were to take our entire series and bubble it down to one thing, it's that I believe spiritual warfare is 90% about battling lies with truth. That if we can replace the lies that we're believing or that we're being told or that are influencing us, if we can replace those lies with truth, we are 90% of the way. Oh, this is our third bingo. Okay, come on up. This is our last one. Come on up here. And sorry, what was your name? Isabella. Isabella gets the third one. All right. There you go. Okay, we have to make bingo harder because we're still at the beginning. Okay, so um, anyway, I, I want to encourage you to go back and read those scriptures because reading that scripture of truth, like that's 90% of spiritual warfare. A lot of times we think of spiritual warfare with things like demon possession and exorcism. But really, spiritual warfare is 90% about replacing the lies that we're being told with truth. And if we can hold to that truth, the belt of truth, we are on our way to being victorious over our enemy. Okay, next it says in verse 14, it says, also with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Do we have a breastplate of righteousness? Come on up here. Come on, come on, come on. This is Miles, everyone, and his brother Eli. Okay, can you show us your breastplate? Can you just kind of swing it around? Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so this breastplate right here inside of you is kind of like this breastplate protects the core of who you are, kind of the essence. And one of the things that I love about the breastplate is that it gets put on over top of you. And, and just like Christ's righteousness, it gets put on us. Not only when Jesus died on the cross did he take away our sins, but he actually put his righteousness, his holiness, his, his standing before God on top of us. And he did awesome. And we now get to be holy and righteous before God because of what Christ did for us. Miles, thank you so much. You crushed it. Awesome. And I just want to take a second, just like, how great is it that you and I don't have to be good enough to stand before God, that when God looks at us, he sees us through the lens of Jesus. That's what Christ's righteousness does for us. That's what the breastplate of righteousness does, that when God looks at us, he sees Christ in us, and he sees us through that. 
We got another bingo, but we're out of prizes, so no more prizes. Sorry about that. Marie, do you have more prizes? No, sorry. That's all we got. I apologize. <laughs> okay, all right, let's keep going. Uh, this is piece number three, I believe. Um, and also with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Do we have someone with some shoes? We're talking about shoes right now. Come on up here. Yep. And sorry, what was your name? Evelyn. Okay, Evelyn, when I think of peaceful shoes, I think of Crocs, right? There is no shoe that more represents peace than Crocs. And not only are they Crocs, they're Crocs slide-ons, which means that they're even more comfortable. And I just want to read this verse from Isaiah where it says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Excellent job showing us the shoes of peace. Thank you so much. You can head down now. All right. At this point in my sermon, I'm actually going to pause for a second, and I'm going to shift gears. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we, were, we were praying as a church for peace. Um, there's a lot of conflict happening in the world right now. There's wars going on. Um, think specifically of what's happening in, in, in the Middle East. And uh, because we're talking about peace... I think it's important that we actually spend some time praying for peace. And so I'm going to pray for peace. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Um, there's going to be some noise because the kids are in here, which is great. I think praying through the, the noise of children is beautiful. Um, so let's do that together. And to be honest, I, I have to admit, um, praying about peace uh, in a place that is politically charged is difficult. Um, but I do believe that as followers of Jesus, we can agree that all human beings, that every single human being carries the Imago Dei, the image of God, and that violence and death and suffering, that all of that happening right now is horrific. So I'm going to invite you to pray with me for peace and an end to the violence. And so let's pray together. Lord, at times like this, we don't always know how to pray. It can seem impossible that peace could come in this situation. But we know that you love every human being, regardless of geography or nationality or even of religion, that there are so many things that divide us, but that you love us. And so we pray that you would intervene and bring peace where there is conflict, that you would intervene and bring peace where there is suffering. God, may you put an end to hunger and to, to death, Please put an end to the pain that is happening. Be with those who are stuck in the middle of a conflict. Be with those who are mourning the loss of loved ones. Those who are sick and injured. May your love and grace and mercy just sweep over the parts of the world that need you the most right now. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So may our feet be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I want to end this little section with a quote from John Mark Comer um, about the ironic imagery of the armor of God as we're talking about peace. He says this, This was very counterintuitive language for a church that grew up around the life and teachings of a rabbi who was fiercely nonviolent. So when talking about spiritual warfare, let's not forget that Jesus himself was fiercely nonviolent. Okay, next in uh, verse 16, it says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. Do we have someone who's going to show us the shield of faith? Come on up here. Okay, let's cheer. Yep, okay. I'm sorry, what was your name? Mael. Mael, 
Yes, and uh, okay, so I want you to hold your shield in front of you like this. Now, I want you to pretend that this shield, because this is, I don't have an actual Roman shield, but an actual Roman shield would have been four feet tall and about two and a half feet wide. And when, when the, yep, it's a little bit bigger than this one. It would have covered you completely. Yes, and so what happened was, is when the legions kind of, when they, they fell into rank and they were going into battle, they would put their shield in front of them like this, and they would create a line, and it was like a wall that you could not get past. And then people in the second row, they would take their shield and they would put it above their head. Can you put it above your head? And then the arrows, when they would shoot arrows at the armies, they couldn't get in through the front and they couldn't get in through the top, and they created what was considered an impenetrable wall around them with the shields that they used in the Roman army. And it, and it was like one of the things that made Rome's army so powerful. So thank you so much for showing us the shield of faith. Craig Keener says this, he says, before battles in which flaming arrows would be fired, the leather would be wetted to quench any fiery darts launched against them because they covered the shields in leather. And after the Roman legionaries closed ranks, the front row holding the shields forward and those behind holding them above them were deemed virtually invulnerable to attack from flaming arrows. And so faith is simply trusting that God is stronger that God has won the battle and that putting on the armor of God, having faith is all we need to be victorious. Like a shield, this is our most useful defense, faith in God, knowing and trusting that God is bigger than our doubts, our fears, our sins, our anxieties, our shortcomings, that he is bigger than all those things. He is bigger than the enemy of our souls. Faith functions as a shield against the offensive attacks of the evil one. Okay, next it says in verse 17, it says, Take the helmet of salvation. Do we have a helmet of salvation? Yes, come on up here. Wow, that's an excellent looking helmet. Sorry, and your name is? Audrey. Audrey, okay, so do you feel, do you feel like you're uh, indestructible wearing that helmet? Yeah, she does. Okay, that's a good helmet. Okay, and so the helmet of salvation, I'm just going to talk about this really quick while you're here modeling our helmet for us. Um, God's salvation is the ultimate picture of protection for our minds. Preacher and author Daryl Johnson points out that our salvation is both past, present, and future. That I have been saved, God is still working out my salvation, I am being saved today, and I will be saved in the future. The assurance of God's salvation is what protects us and gives us assurance that no matter what we face, that God is with us. The assurance of God's salvation protects us like a soldier's helmet protects him in battle. So thank you so much. You can go sit back down. Let's give it up for our helmet of salvation. Our last two sermons were about lies and about temptation. See, the enemy wants to pollute our minds and cast doubt into our standing before God, but the helmet of salvation protects our minds against the enemy's corruption. So I want you to never, ever forget that you are a beloved child of God, that you are cherished, that he desires to be with you, and that God loves you. And if you're having a hard time believing those things, go back, I said, like I said, read those verses that we put on our Facebook uh, page earlier this week. Okay, and lastly, it says in verse 17, and it says, and with the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Do we have a sword? Who's going to wield a sword? Oh my goodness, this is terrifying. You're getting that kind of close to me. I don't know if I like that. All right, so Toby, can you show us some sword moves? Yes. 
That is wonderful. Okay, so as Toby just wields his sword, just keep going, man. This is the only offensive, offensive? One of those. This is the only offensive part of the armor of God. Everything else is considered defensive. This is the only weapon. We only need one thing, one thing only with which to attack our enemy, and that is the sword of the Spirit. In Revelation 1 and 19, it says that the sword comes directly out of Jesus' mouth because he speaks words. It says this, in his right hand he held the seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword speaking the word of God. Jesus wins simply by speaking. Toby, you crushed it. Thank you so much. So when we enter into a spiritual battle, it's important that we only need one weapon. There is no greater spiritual weapon. When Jesus was in the desert facing the temptation of the enemy, he only had one thing to stop the enemy's attack, and it was the Word of God. Because the Word of God cuts deep, and it holds power, and the enemy has to submit to it. So reading and knowing the Word of God is so important for us. John Mark Comer says, the key is not to just think about Scripture, but to think Scripture. So that's it. Those are the six pieces of the armor of God. Now, I want us to think about this again. Okay, we had some fun with the kids. But remember that this is about real spiritual warfare. Paul's goal in writing this is that we would actually do something with it that it's more than a coloring page and it's more than cute kids on the stage. Um, it says four times that we are supposed to do this and able to stand, so that we will be able to stand, that we will stand our ground, that we will stand firm, and that we will do all of this to stand. Because this is not theoretical. It's not just a nice story to tell. This is how we are to do battle, by putting on the full armor of God. And I think that maybe kids are better at this than we adults are, because when you're a kid, every stick is a sword that makes you invincible. Every, every piece of cloth wrapped around your neck is a cape that makes you in, in the most superhero person there ever was. Shoes make you run faster. But adults, I think, need to engage the part of our brain that allows us to trust in the armor of God as a real, not made up, as real power coming from our God. So how do we do this? It actually happens through prayer. The very next verse, after talking about the sword of the Spirit, says in verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So this week, I've been thinking a lot about the armor of God, and I've been praying the armor of God daily. I've been praying it over myself, that I would have the belt of truth, and the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of peace, and the shield of faith, and the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. And each morning, while I'm still in bed, I've been praying that I would be clothed in this armor. And throughout the day, especially when I'm feeling tempted or weak or angry or discouraged, I've been praying specific parts of the armor of God on me. And I've just been saying, Lord, cover me in your armor. Let my defenses against the enemy's attacks be truth and righteousness and confidence and salvation. And I want you to know that it's made a real difference in my life this week. I've been more aware of the lies that I've been believing when things are happening around me, I, I've been identifying as I'm like, that is an attack. That is the enemy trying to get me to believe something that isn't true. I'm feeling more able to stand against temptation. I feel closer to the Lord and find abiding in him easier, being covered in the armor of God. 
Rick Warren says, the armor of God is not just for the battlefield, it's for everyday life. So my question for us is, are we covered in the armor of God? Is there maybe one piece of the armor of God that you should focus on this week? Is there something you need to rely on? I want to I ask you, for real, do you need truth? Do you need truth to come in and just cast out those lies? To cast out those lies that you believe for a long time that you know aren't true, but that you have such a hard time holding on to because they've just got a root in your life and they've got a foothold and you haven't been able to break those chains. Do you need to let that lie go and replace it with truth? Let the belt of truth cast out those lies. Do you need the breastplate of righteousness? Have you felt or believed that you are worthless or too damaged or too ugly or too broken, that God couldn't possibly love you, that you don't have as much worth or value as someone else? Jesus wants to cover you with his righteousness, to clothe you with his beautiful love, for you to know that you are worthy because Christ has made you worthy. Do you need the breastplate of righteousness? I want to ask you, do you need to know peace? Has there been a war raging inside of your, your mind or your heart where, where you need peace to come in and drive out that hostility, that anger, that bitterness, that resentment to be freed from spiritual chains by the love of Christ? Knowing peace. How many of us just need to know more peace? Or do we feel attacked and we need to be shielded from, from the flaming arrows of the enemy of our souls? Do we need to replace our fear with faith? Faith that God is bigger and able to defeat the enemy of your soul, able to defeat your sin, able to defeat all the things that are causing you pain and making you feel distant from him and causing brokenness in your relationships. Do you need to be shielded from those things? I pray the shield of faith over you. Or do you need to be reminded of your salvation? That when you believed in Jesus, that he placed salvation on you like a helmet that protects you and defines you and fortifies you and, and, and protects your mind from evil thinking? Do you need to be reminded of your salvation? That it is real? Or do you actually feel like you're at a place right now where you need to attack? The one aggressive weapon that we have is the word of God. Do you need to draw the sword of the Spirit that is the Word of God and speak against your temptation, speak against your sins, speak against the lies, the hate? This is the Word of God, and it has power in our lives. Okay, right now I'd like to invite the worship team up. Last, this last week, I've honestly been finding more victory in my life as I've been praying the armor of God every day. It doesn't mean that, that everything is solved or that my issues are all great or mental health or sin or the, these things. It doesn't fix everything, but wearing the armor of God does mean victory. And we must remember that spiritual issues require spiritual solutions. I love this quote. It says, So, be strong in the Lord and in his strength of his might. Take your stand against the devil, protected by the armor that God has provided for you. I love this part. Fight the good fight with all your might. Wrestle with all the energy that the Spirit gives you. But in the midst of the standing and fighting and wrestling, don't forget to rest in the finished victory of Christ and the assurance of the Spirit's perfect sanctifying work in your life 
is what counts. So let's pray together. I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to pray the armor of God over you today. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. God, may you clothe us in your armor. God, give us the belt of truth. Help us to know what is true and what is a lie. God, may you cover us with your righteousness. God, may we know how beautiful and loved we are because of what you have done for us, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for your righteousness. God, we pray for the shoes of peace. May everywhere we go, may we bring the peace and the love of Christ. God, we pray that each one of us would be able to hold the shield of faith. God, and that the arrows and that the attacks of the enemy, that they would have no place, that they would find no effective target in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, God. But may you protect us with the shield of faith. God, in the assurance of salvation, the helmet of salvation, God, I pray that over my friends today. I pray that all of us would know what it means to be saved and loved by you, God. May that assurance, may the trust that we have, may the victory that we have in our salvation, God, give us victory over other areas of our lives as well. God, and I pray for the word, which it, I pray for the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I pray that each one of us would be able to spend time in the word and that would change our hearts, that we'd be able to speak truth against the enemy that we would be able to attack where we feel defeated and where we feel weak. So Holy Spirit, give us verses. Help us to, to have a growing love for your word. And Lord, for prayer, I pray that each one of us could regularly be praying for the armor of God, that we would be covered and that we would be able to face our enemy head on without fear. And Holy Spirit, that you would give us victory. Amen. And as we pray, as we've been praying, I just want to remind you that we do have an amazing prayer team here. They are at the front on either sides, as well as in the prayer room in the back in the foyer. And if you feel like one of these areas, truth, salvation, faith, if you need one of these things, or maybe you know someone, you have a friend or family member that you would love to pray that they would experience the victory of being covered in the armor of God. I encourage you to go to our prayer team and to pray for both yourself or for a friend or a loved one that, could, um, that, that you feel led to pray for today. So don't leave here without praying. Pray in your seats. Pray the armor of God over yourself as we sing these last two songs. Pray it over your friends and your family. So Holy Spirit, come. Give us the armor of God. In Jesus' name, amen.